Welcome to Massive Late Fee. And now your hosts, Mark and Carol. Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to a very coordinated episode of Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me as always is my girlfriend, Carol. How are you doing, Carol? Hey, what's up? <laughs> it's been a good week here. It is February 2nd, 1996. That it is. And we are just rubbing our hands together today to keep warm because of the cold, cold, bitter cold weather. It is cold here in Michigan. It is. We are in the great Midwest. What would you, Mideast? What? What would you call the region where we live? Well, it's part of the Midwest officially. It is officially part of the Midwest, but I think of it more as Mideast. I mean, it is very close to the east. Like, That's on cool. the other side of the Great Lakes is New York, so. We're, uh, I don't think that's, is that right? Isn't are, it? Are you correct about that? I don't, I don't know. Maybe. If we took a boat across Lake Huron, I think it's Canada. Oh, yeah, and then you go through Canada to get to Niagara Falls with New York. Never mind. Yeah, I think it's yeah, I think it's Canada, technically. Never mind. Never mind. But still, yes, if we're geog- closer to the east than we are to the west. Well, we're on east coast time. Yeah. We're not on central time zone like Chicago. Right. But speaking of central time zone, the internet famously runs on central time. It does? No, it doesn't. <laughs> I was going to say, I thought it ran on, like, you know, the central time that everybody runs on. Like, the what's it called? What? What is it called? Like, you know, like, standard time. Like It does. It runs on what is called standard time. Standard you, time is 17 hours ahead of us, but also somehow 14 hours behind everyone else. That sounds like another dimension or something. What are you talking about? I think you mean Greenwich Mean Time. Yes, that's what I mean. <laughs> The Prime Meridian. What's the opposite of the Prime Meridian, do you know? Um, All all the way opposite of the world. No, I don't. The International Dateline. You know what popped into my head and I knew it was wrong? (laughs) Connecticut? Prime Floridian. The Prime Floridian. I believe the Golden Girls are the prime Floridians, right? right? (laughs) A prime Floridian is uh, anyone that's got that's wearing alligator skin boots, has a mullet, and uh, fewer teeth than hairs on his face. Wow! Even if it's a girl. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) the internet uh, is being urged to ban hate group messages. Now, let me ask something though. Ask anything. The internet, as though the internet was its own being. Like, who? Who are they urging? Oh, God of internet. Right? (laughs) Please ban. Well, it says internet providers. So I guess anyone that's providing access to the internet. So AOL. AOL. I mean, I don't know that anything else exists that gets you on the internet. Yeah, there's other stuff. I'm sure there is, but like most people don't use anything other than AOL. Uh, I think, I think, so 
I think, and I'm not sure, but I think AOL is for us, like the plebes, the people that don't know about computers. And then some of my friends that are more like computer savvy are like, oh, I get on using this. Using, you know, RegNet or something Yeah, like but there's more of us than there are of them. Oh, I, I agree. Absolutely. And I mean, the, yeah, like uh, my one friend uses a bulletin board system, and I use it sometimes too, but mm. mostly it's AOL. But it says, citing the rapid expanding presence of organized hate groups on the internet, a leading Jewish human rights group recently began sending letters to hundreds of internet access providers and universities. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of universities that provide internet access. Asking them to refuse to carry messages that promote racism, anti-Semitism, mayhem, and violence. So I've got a question on that, too. i got all kinds of questions today. Good. Um, What about free speech? Like, does this fall under the purview of free speech? So according to this, uh, this says... Internet providers, of one of the quotes on here says, Internet providers have a First Amendment right and a moral obligation not to provide these groups with a platform for their destructive propaganda. That is according to Rabbi Abraham Cooper of the Simon uh, Wiesenthal Center. Now, uh, no, in my opinion, it's not free speech. So the First Amendment, uh, the first part of the First Amendment's the religion, mm-hmm. and then uh, the speech part says that the government cannot create any laws that prohibit the, you know, free speech. Uh, so this isn't a government organization. The, the, these internet providers are private entities. Okay. They're private companies. So they don't have to allow anything on any messages on their... They could shut it down to messages completely, I, I would think, and still be within their legal right. That would be like me saying, like, if I was going to argue that any place on the internet should carry anything that I had to say, no matter what I had to say, as long as it wasn't like a government website, Mm -hmm. that would be like me saying that, well, my free speech is being violated because the New York Times won't post stuff that I write. That makes sense. That makes sense. So so you wouldn't, like, throw a temper tantrum if, like, a site like AOL said you can't post your stuff here anymore like because that's their right yeah I, I no i wouldn't if i was especially if i was trying to foment violence against the government or 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 against certain ethnic groups and, and stuff like that no of course not so okay so i, I get what they're saying i get what you're laying down uh the letter from the simon wiesenthal center a 425,000-member organization based in Los Angeles, is the largest in a growing effort by legislators to provide uh, to, to, and private interest groups to censor offensive material on the global data network, which connects millions of computer users worldwide. So here's the thing. I'm generally against censorship uh, in books and, and things like that. The, re- the only reason I would be for it necessar- in this circumstance is because the the internet like the internet is a pretty open place. It's not like going and getting a book. Okay. You know, like let's say let's say an anti-semite or one of these skinhead groups writes a book. If you buy that, it's it's clearly labeled. First of all, somebody there's there's a gatekeeper. Somebody published it. Somebody fact-checked it presumably. And even if they, you know, because like a publishing company is not just going to publish them. Right. And if somebody publishes that themselves, 
their reach is going to be pretty small unless they have a ton of money. And even in that case, you're bringing it into the house. Your par- If you're a kid, your parents are going to see it and things like that. And conversations will be had about it. On the internet, because of the anonymity and because of this is the big thing, because of the lack of any kind of gatekeepers, there's no, there's no barrier to entry on the internet. You have if you get an AOL disk, right? And you have a computer and a and a, and a uh, modem line. That's the only that's the only barrier to entry. You can write anything on there. It's not being fact checked. If I wrote a column again for the New York Times, let's say, or our local paper. And wrote something, editors would check that. Right, for sure. And see if it was true or not true. Nobody's checking it on the internet. Yeah, I guess the internet could breed just a bunch of bullshit. Yo, propaganda, news that's not real in any way. You mean like fake news? Yeah. Like somebody could just make shit up. And and That would be fun. We should do that. Let's convince people that the world is... A vampire? Flat, yeah. (laughs) Oh, the world is flat, huh? Is that what you were going to say? I was. I was going to say that, but I liked the vampire better. I like vampires. Just weird, weird stuff. It is weird. But I do think that there should be some sort of regulation. Any any kind of communication. So the Internet's a big communication tool, right? Mm -hmm. The FCC, the Federal Communications Commission, regulates pretty much every kind of communication we have, television, radio, newspapers, they're all regulated through the FCC in some way or another. Now, they're given a certain amount of leeway, they're given a certain amount of freedoms, uh, but, you know, they're all regulated in some way. Okay. But the internet really isn't. So, yeah, interesting. But speaking of gadgets and, the you know, the internet's one big gadget. Is it? Is it not? What would you define it as? Not a gadget, because to me a gadget is a physical thing that you can, like, play with. <laughs> Do you have any in particular that you're thinking of, physical things that you, that you play with? Uh-huh. That you would call a gadget? Yeah, you have some things I like to play with. Okay, so now we have a list of gizmos here. Gizmos galore. Uh, new inventions. From a teeny cell phone, interesting, to an unbreakable CD box, huh? May <laughs> soon work their way into your life. I don't know why anyone wants. I've seen these cellular telephones. They why. had one in the movie we were watching. Yeah, that's true. They did. I don't know why they would want to. Why you'd want to have one? But anyway, uh, Family Message Center at one hundred nineteen dollars. It's a little overpriced, and with a capacity of just two minutes and forty seconds, it's a little thin. On the recording capacity. But this nifty little gizmo hangs on the refrigerator and records electronic messages from one family member to another, offering a neatly packaged alternative to that clutter of little notes that either disappears or get obscured by more notes. Oh, that's so dumb. So you can pay $119 and replace a post-it. What the hell? (laughs) I like (laughs) post-its. What a stupid device. <laughs> How about virtual TV? There have been virtual reality glasses before, but nearly all of them have been clunky and limited in their capabilities. Virtual TV weighs in at just eight ounces, though. Uh, just hook it up, 
the specs up to your TV, VCR, DVD. What is DVD? What is a DVD? Um, just hook it up. Just hook up the specs to your TV, VCR, DVD. It sounds like they expect the people buying this shit to be a lot richer than us. I don't know what a DVD is. Me either. And a host of gaming platforms, including Sega, Nintendo, and Sony, so that the new PlayStation, mm-hmm. and be treated to your own private performance. Visually, it's the equivalent of having a home theater perched on your nose. How weird. Why would mm. you want to do I don't like it. I don't like it. It sounds scary and it's, weird. It says it's ideal for night owls eager, eager to not disturb their sleeping partners. It's $400. Holy shit. I don't know if I would want to have one. So, wait a minute. You put these glasses on and you're watching a show in your glasses? Like, isn't yeah. that bad for you? Like, you know how, like, you're growing up and your parents keep telling you to stay away from the television screen? Yeah, I know. They're going to put it right in your eyeballs? It's weird. So, have you ever seen... I, I've never... I've Obviously, I've never owned one or never... I've never even seen them really up close, but I've seen them on TV at some of those, like, electronic expo things. Mm-hmm. But the virtual reality, like... Big headset things. No. Have you you never seen them? Mm-mm. So I've, I've seen them, like I said, on TV, like demonstrated or whatever, but I've never actually seen inside of them. The, supposedly they look pretty good, but they're really expensive. I don't know exactly. I guess this just hooks up to your TV, so somehow it just projects your TV across the, the screens and your glasses. I don't know. It's weird. How much does a TV cost, do you think? Like a regular TV. Probably uh, like a hundred bucks, maybe. Yeah, hundred, hundred and fifty, something like that. We're talking about four hundred dollars. Just be so able to d- watch it. Just so you don't disturb your sleep partner, and you're gonna fall asleep with these glasses on. Well, of course not. Yeah, it's for an insomniac, or it's gonna cause somebody to be an insomniac. I don't like it. No. Star. The last one that I'm gonna talk about is Star Trek cellular telephone. Oh, Star Trek. Ugh. Motorola touts this as the world's lightest, smallest, and first wearable phone. What does that mean? Are you going to wear it? Wear? On your tie? Is it pretty? It weighs in just 3.1 ounces and is the size of a beeper. Really? That's small, huh? Due on the market next month, this will not be an inexpensive addition to the communication spectrum. The estimated selling price is $1,000 to $2,000. (laughs) Yeah, that's not happening. Though the price will drop radically depending on your contract with your cellular service provider. Ameritech, incidentally, will be one of the handful of companies offering the phone. Yeah, I I, I don't know anyone, so here's what it looks like. It looks like this. Yeah. It flips up like that. This does not look like a phone. It's got a little pen. looks like a it. calculator. It does look like a calculator, right. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not... Uh, Oh, here we go. Uh, there are the flash. So uh, the beginning of this says there are flashy ones like VCRs and camcorders, but there are sh- they are should be pushed aside with the late spring arrival of digital video disc. That's what DVD stands for, digital video disc. So apparently that's coming in this in in the spring, a technology that permits a CD sized disc to hold an entire movie. Or the equivalent of eight music-only compact discs. Wow. 
It's a significant step forward, but it will probably take a few years for it to sweep its way into the American home as surely as the VCR the microwave oven did. You know how many frickin' VHS tapes that we have in my house? Because my parents collect movies. Yeah, we're going to replace all those with DVDs. Yeah, never going to happen. Wow. Spring, they're coming. DVDs. Mm-hmm. What do you play? So can you put a DVD in? Well, you got, it says it's like a compact disc, so... Do you put it in your CD player? Well, how would you see it? Maybe there's a way you can hook the CD player up to the TV. Maybe. I don't know. Sounds weird. I don't like it. I don't either. DVD. Digital video disc. Meh. Yeah, meh is right. (laughs) Anyway, so, speaking of meh, we watched Friends this week. Hey, I like Friends. What do you want to do? You want to do you want to do the movie? You want to do the you want to do the TV show? Do you want to do both? And I'll just I don't make care. Smarky comments. You pick. You tell me, and I'll do it. I'm tired. Start, t- start talking about the the TV show. Stop I will fight me. your leg. Stop it, you weirdo! He's like trying to play footsies, but he's all hootsies? mean about it. <laughs> trying to play footsies? Shut up. So yeah, we watched Friends. That's when you've got a lot of nerve, but you're also playing footsies. <laughs> Hootspah. We watched Friends, and it was a double feature of Friends this week. And then also... And remember how we were talking about uh, Julia Roberts being seen with Matthew Perry? Yeah, guess what? She was on, just she, like I said. She was on the show. Carol was right. They're not dating. She was just filming. They're just hanging out. Just hanging out, playing Nintendo. Whatever. Gonna planning on buying a DVD in the right? spring. And um, who else was on there? Jean Claude Van Damme was also on the show. He was. So was Chris Isaac. Chris Isaac. Yeah. Who is Chris Isaac? So Chris Isaac is this guy that uh, I can't. Remember, oh man, I can't remember the name of the song. No, no. He's, he's famous for like one song, but uh, he uh, he's like a rockabilly fifties style musician. I know, I know that he's a musician, but I mean, who in the show was he? Because I don't know what oh, he looks like. He was the guy that was flirting with Phoebe that wanted, oh. to, get, wanted to get her to play at the the library. Okay, very cool. Yeah, that's him. He does at the end. He does a little his little like because he's known for that like falsetto yeah. yodely type thing. And it reminded me of a song, but I couldn't quite place it. I can't remember. I mean, I, for the life of me, I cannot remember the name of his song. If only there was a way. For us to find information when we want it on right? the show. Because you cannot rely on your brain to come up with shit, no. for sure. And I'm not going to run and grab a encyclopedia or something. Well, and do you really think Chris Isaac's in the encyclopedia Probably yet? Come on. It takes, it takes a minute for people to end up there. I'd have to ask somebody. Yeah. So, anyways... Lots of famous people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It was a star-studded episode. So this is this oh, whole- and wait, one more. Bah! <laughs> The really pretty one. Um, oh, oh yes. Uh, what's her name? Blue Lagoon herself. Um, oh, what is her name? You said her name. I too. did. I said we're it. Watching the show. That's. Um, oh, help us out. What's her name? She's... Scream her name <laughs> at your at your device right now. Scream your name at your radio right now and tell us what her name is, and I will think of it, and I will you know close my brain. And listen to you. I will channel you, and then I will get the name. Ready? Everyone at once, think it. Go. Brooke Shields, you gave it to me. Yes. <laughs> All right. Brooke Shields. 
Thank you for the help there. I got things to say about Brooke Shields when we get there. Okay. But this is called the one after the Super Bowl, because guess what? What? It was the one that they aired after the Super Bowl. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah, the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl has nothing to do with this episode. Did you watch the Super Bowl? No. I watched the Super Bowl. I know. I did not. Well, it was a good game. Because I don't like the Super Bowl. Why not? Because, you know, it's the fucking Super Bowl. It's football. I don't care about it. I don't like sports. I don't. I mean, it's not worth it to me to see the little tushies in the tight pants. Sorry. (laughs) You know, it pissed me off because the Dallas Cowboys won yet again. They beat Neil O'Donnell and the Pittsburgh Steelers. We don't really talk sports on the show. Or I would have mentioned it up top, but I hate the Cowboys and everything they stand for. My my brain literally just tuned you out while you were speaking because I'm immune I know, to I football. Know, I know, I know. Okay, this episode starts with... The Super Bowl. No. The Super Bowl is not in the frickin' episode. The episode starts out with... Yes, as does every episode of Friends. Actually, it doesn't. They do some kind of cold open, and then they go to the, they go to the, uh, the theme song. Phoebe so meets... So no one told... Yeah. Phoebe meets Chris Isaac. Chris Isaac. Except we don't know that he's Chris Isaac, and... I don't know if he's supposed to be Chris not. Isaac or not. He's not. But he works at the library. He says, I've heard you play, and I think you'd be great for kids. Yeah, which is stupid. I mean, her, her number one like song is Smelly Cat, mm-hmm. which, I mean, I, I guess... I guess it's kind of good for kids, but, but most of her songs are terrible. Right, and not appropriate. Well, which, that's what I mean. Which, even when she's trying to be appropriate, she can't. Right. Um, but yeah, she he's can't like... Help but tell, she can't help but tell the unvarnished truth about the way the world really is. She's that real. Right. She sings songs to children... About dead relatives mm-hmm. and how hamburgers are made. Yeah. That's like the cow goes scarring. moo, the cow goes moo. <laughs> then the farmer hits it over the head and grinds it up, and that's how we get hamburgers. Yeah, yeah. It was no good. <laughs> but the kids loved it, it turned out. Yeah, well, uh, uh, at least according to the writers of this show, children want to hear the truth. I disagree. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think kids want to hear the truth. I think that, um, like, my little niece and nephew would be dramatized if they knew where hamburgers came from. They'd freak out. They would never eat another hamburger. Maybe that's a good thing, though. Maybe we shouldn't be eating animals. What? I don't know. I love animals. You're weird. I love eating animals. <laughs> exactly. PETA. I'm a member of PETA. <laughs> Did you know that? No, I thought you were kidding. No, I'm a member of PETA. Why? People eating tasty animals. Shut up. <laughs> Jeez, Lou. Listen, I know it's murder, and I know that it's probably not the most humane thing to do in the world. It's not murder. But have you ever tasted a cow? <laughs> it's like uh, people say, you know what they do with those chickens? It's like, no, I don't know, but it's delicious. <laughs> it's so good. Fruit's good, too. I like fruit. I like vegetables. Mm-hmm. But gotta have some of that meat. Yeah, I Something think... Something needs to die every day in order for me to live. Wow. Does that, like, validate your existence, knowing no. that you're part of population control? That's right. Population control me. 
I'd eat people if it was socially acceptable. Oh. Uh. So, okay, Actually. so do you guys, I don't know if you remember Marcel, like, before this, but Marcel was uh, Ross's monkey? Yeah, I hate, I hated that whole thing, like, that the was so dumb. That's a thing you do at the end of a show when you're desperately trying to cling to more ratings, she had a monkey. <laughs> that was so terrible, I was so happy when they got rid of that thing. Well, he came back for these two episodes, and Ross is trying so very, very hard to connect with him, and it's mm-hmm. kind of creepy. Yeah, and all he has to do is sing in the jungle, the mighty jungle. But, I mean, originally he was told that, you know, his monkey was at the zoo, and he had to go to San Diego for something. So he's like, I'm going to go visit him at the zoo. That's right. Fred Willard was in this episode, too. The great Fred Willard just shows up and tells him that his monkey's dead. One of the best lines ever. He, He finds out his monkey is dead, and the janitor comes sweeping by him. Well, that's not Fred Willard. Fred Willard's that the guy that told him his monkey gave was him dead. zoo dollars. Yes. Okay. The guy, the guy you're talking about is Harry Shearer, who is he does the voice of Homer Simpson on The Simpsons. No. Right. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> Great Homer Simpson. Impression. I know. I have the best. Can you Homer do a Simpson. march? Oh, homie. Wow. Very good. Shut up. Okay. So you're not a professional voiceover person. It's so weird. I'm going to take my toys and go home. Oh, my God. Don't do that. (laughs) Anyways, the janitor dude goes sweeping by Ross. I'm going to wait for you. (laughs) Just keep going. And he says, meet me in the nocturnal room in 15 minutes. And he's like. By the bats. (laughs) He's like, "Um, I don't enjoy being with men that way, but zoo dollar. (laughs) I love it. I love it so much. Like that's a fun line, yeah. He, I like uh, David Swimmer. He's funny. <laughs> is that is that an idiosyncrasy? Every time you say his name, you gotta, you gotta <laughs> snap your fingers. Like but you didn't have any trouble. You sailed right through it. Your fingers got you through it. On that one. <laughs> they did. Yeah, your fingers get you through lots of problems. Oh my. Anyways, <laughs> so my favorite line is when he tells him all about how. Someone broke into the San Diego Zoo and stole his monkey, and they're covering it up. And the monkey, the word on the street is the monkey's gone into show business. So that monkey we see at the beginning of the episode doing the commercial is actually Marcel. Spoilers. And my favorite line is he's like, the janitor kind of goes, like, he goes he goes right by camera. It's the camera, camera work. It's camera <laughs> Here, I'll stand my phone. There you go. No, to get it. The camera work is, <laughs> I feel like a jet. The camera work is beautiful in this scene because he's right forefront of camera, look, looking off, of course, because you're not going to stare right down the barrel of the camera. But he's got the, the handle of his mop right by his face. He's kind of like, you know, playing with it with his hand. And Ross is in the background. It's beautifully staged. I love the way this this scene is staged. And he's like, so what's this information worth to you? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And Ross is like, "Uh, are you trying to bribe me? He goes, maybe. He's like, but you already told me everything. (laughs) The look on the guy's face. Right. The dawning realization (laughs) that he did things in the wrong order. Brilliant. It It was pretty good. It was very funny. So Ross finds out that Marcel is shooting in New York. Yeah, I don't know how shooting people in 
<laughs> Middle of Times Square in New York. No, he's part of a movie, Outbreak 2. Yeah. Do you think there's going to be an Outbreak 2? Come on, no. I want to see Outbreak 2. They cured that, that disease, Motaba. But there could be another Outbreak. We talked about Motaba. Some kind of global pandemic thing that they make a movie about. Sounds good. Ugh. <laughs> I guess. So so it's, it's, it goes throughout the entire globe now? Yeah. Oh, Motaba. That, that Outbreak 2. It's got to be bigger. It mutated. You're right. Sequels do have to be bigger than their their originals. That is true. So he's. This is how we meet all the rest of these famous people because they're hanging around the movie set trying to find the monkey, and they sing the Lion King song to the monkey. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's not in the Lion King. Oh, we move it. Oh, we move it. Oh, I don't know. They do that in Lion King. It's a token song from the sixties. Well, they sing it's that. The Lion Sleeps Tonight. It's yeah, a song that by song. The tokens. It's a lion song. It is a lion song, you're right. <laughs> Do you think every lion song is in The Lion King? Do they play Maybe. Born Free? I guess technically that's, that's Tigers, isn't it? Born Free. They, it, they resurrect Helen Reddy to sing that song. For the lion. It was super freaking cute, okay? She's not dead, but... Um, and Ross makes him um, cake. It cute, it was dumb. But it worked. Yeah, I guess. And then he makes him banana cake with worms in it which sounds really gross yeah sounds good though yeah delicious would you eat the worms to get to the delicious bananas no yeah me either <laughs> so that that's ross's whole plot line pretty much pretty is much just it. uh the monkey my favorites i think is joey's i like chandler's <laughs> plot line too but i think joey's is my favorite plot line brooke shields plays his obsessed fan brooke shields is just delighted yes. in chewing up all kinds of scenery. <laughs> She's so good in this and so funny and just, like I said, she's just, she is just chewing up scenes in this, in this, uh, this show. Enclosed, please find 14 of my eyelashes. Mm-hmm. I love it. She believes that the television is telling the truth. Like, that it's a window into someone's life? I don't know exactly how she... She thinks it's real. Yeah. But she thinks he's really Dr. Drake Ramore. So she, even though she found Joey Tribbiani, the actor, Mm -hmm. and found where he lives, she thinks he's Drake Ramore. That's the part that really makes no sense. Because, like, it's not like it says Drake Ramore anywhere. Right. It says Joey Tribbiani. I don't... And how did she find him? Yeah. Hey, where does Drake Ramore live? Oh, ha ha. (laughs) <laughs> who's she talking to in that scenario in your head <laughs> a very bemused production assistant her psychiatrist um <laughs> she finds him and she's gorgeous so he well, wants Brooke to have Shields. sex with her yeah. he doesn't care that she's crazy because he's joey and he just wants to have sex at one point she says she wants to eat his hands but i won't it's so weird <laughs> and she, I don't know. I I don't know how good looking a woman would have to be in order for me to let slide that she said she wants to eat my hand. <laughs> and then she licked them. Oh God! It was really gross. Is she a cannibal? I don't understand. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, I'm surprised she didn't say she wanted to eat other things. Right. Um. Anyways, is Susan Lucci is the skeleton of Susan Lucci in her basement or something. Ew, that's gross. 
How would you tell the difference? So eventually, though, he has to break up with her because she thinks he's cheating on her because he kisses other women on the soap opera. And in real life, probably, too. Probably. (laughs) Um, Because it's Joey. He's a pig. Right. Uh, And then Monica and Rachel end up fighting over Jean-Claude Van Damme. What do you think of Jean-Claude Van Damme? Okay, until I saw him playing himself and being, like, flirty and cute with them, I thought he was not cute. Mm -hmm. But he was cute playing this. I can see that. I've never liked... Now, here's the thing. He's he's probably a really nice guy in real life. I have Mm -hmm. no idea. But I've never liked him because I've never liked his movies. Right. Yeah, I'm not, like, that into action. And even if I'm into an action movie, I'm not into, like, the muscle, like, stunt dudes. Not this kind of action. Not the kind of action movie he does. The Steven Seagal movies, the Jean-Claude Van Damme movies, the Chuck Norris movies. I'm not into those kind of action movies. What kind of action movies are you into? Uh, I like Die Hard and stuff like that. Like, I like those kind of action movies. Okay. But not not this kind of action movie. Some I, of Schwarzenegger stuff's really good. Commando's a good movie. Yeah, I love Schwarzenegger movies. So, okay, I getcha. Because, yeah, I don't like them either. It's Their their movies are more martial arts based, and I'm not, I was never a big Bruce Lee guy or anything like that. I'm not into those kind of movies. Mm. Um. Then Rachel and Monica, like like I said, they're both into him. They're fighting over him because Rachel is, or Monica is too so afraid oh, okay. to talk to him. Yes, that's right. And she sends Rachel over there to tell him that she thinks she's cute. And then he's like, well, I see you and you're cute. Right. Like, I don't see her here. I see you here. And I think you're cute. So why don't we go out? Yeah. He's like, well, you should tell your friend I think her friend's cute. Yeah. Yeah. So they end up Jean-Claude going. Jean-Claude Van Damme likes an assertive woman. Right. So they end up going out, but Monica is so, so mad. And they I don't get... think they actually go out, do they? I don't think they actually go on a date. I think she just says to Monica, hey, yeah. you know, can I go on a date with him? And she says, yeah. And they make a date, but I think she breaks it because they get into a fight. Right. And then she gets him to go on a blind date with Monica mm-hmm. because she tells him. That she'll have a threesome with him and Drew Barrymore. That's the most believable thing that happens in the <laughs> show, too, because I could see Drew Barrymore being up for that. Honestly, like, I, she was all pissed and like, I would never want to do that. I would do that. I would totally do that. Yeah, with Drew Barrymore, though? Yeah. That, that, I'm more interested in her than on Claude Van Damme. Yeah. I think she's pretty. Yeah. It's that thing that I have where... You know, the first time I saw her, she was like five years old oh. in E.T. And I just can't. It's hard. It's so it's very difficult for me to get past that. That's weird. But it's like you watch her grow up and it's like, OK, I, I, I if I can picture a woman when she's a kid, then it's very hard for me to get turned on by that. Well, you don't picture her as a kid then. But if I can do that, <laughs> if it, it's very easy for me to picture Drew Barrymore as a child because hmm. I saw her as a child first. All right. It's harder for me. Like, I can't picture you as a child, even though I've seen pictures of you as a child. I can't really picture you as a child because the first time I saw you was as, an, was as a teenager, let's say. <laughs> yeah, let's say. <laughs> So, they end up getting into one of the best fights, though. Yeah, it's very fun. And, uh, yeah, they destroy each other's stuff, and Phoebe kicks their asses, and I like it. I like, I like Phoebe. I love Phoebe. 
She's, I think she's my favorite. She's quirky. She's tough. She's funny. And her backstory is so dark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I love she, she, she grabs them both by the ear. She makes them, you know, make up and everything. And she's like, uh, if we were in prison, you'd be my bitches. Right. <laughs> and then my favorite story from this whole two-part episode. Really? More than the, more than Joey's story? Yes. Okay. My favorite. Apparently Joey is your favorite, but my that's favorite. That's my favorite story. He's not my favorite character, but that's my favorite story. Is uh with, when, um. Oh my God, Julia Roberts! Tell us, start snapping. <laughs> and she started snapping. She got it. <laughs> Julia Roberts, that's correct. So she's supposed to be a makeup artist on the set of this movie, mm-hmm. and it turns out that she knows Chandler from fourth grade. Right. When he lifted her skirt and flashed the entire audience during a concert, Susie underpants. So, you know, she acts like she thinks that he's all hot stuff and wants to go on a date with him. Hot stuff, baby, this evening. I think she's a little twisted because she even, like, makes out with him, like, hot and heavy. A couple different times. Right. So, like, how can she hate him so much and yet convince him that she wants to sleep with him? She's a sociopath. Apparently. But she uh, convinces him to wear her underpants. Mm -hmm. and Go out to dinner and wear the underpants under his clothes. Yeah, and then she's like, let's go to the bathroom. Gets him naked except for her underpants and takes off with his clothes. Mm-hmm. And says, this is revenge for what you did to me when we were nine. Right. Like, you haven't gotten over this bullshit? Yeah. Well, that's, like, even if he needed a thorough tongue lashing in the bad way about <laughs> what he did when he was nine, if she saw him and was like, oh, yeah, you're the fucking asshole that did this to me right. when I was nine, get off the set. I'm going to tell the director you're a dick or whatever. You're off the set. I don't want to see you at my place of work. I'm mad about this. I would be like, yeah, okay, that's a reasonable thing. But like you said, she she plans this fucking, like, serial killer level <laughs> four-day plot right? to, like, uh, single white female like get into his life and try to make him think that they're going to have this relationship and, and all this stuff to get his clothes off so that he's in his underwear. And he's like, that was 20 years ago. And she goes, well, let's see if you got over this 20 years from now. A, I'll bet you he does. Right. And B, it's a little different when you're, two full-grown adults yeah. as to when you're a nine-year-old kid. Yeah. I don't think that it's cool to lift up girls' skirts even when you're children. I think that's, you know, that's not that's not cool to do. Don't do that if for God for sake, if there's any reason that kids are listening. Right. But don't do <laughs> don't do that. But it doesn't this is this is not a proportional response. No. And yeah, I mean it's like obvious that she's planning it right from the beginning mm-hmm. because she's flirting the whole time. Like she's mm-hmm. setting him up for a date right Absolutely. away. Absolutely. How did she formulate all of this so quickly? Or has she been so upset all this time that she'd come up with a plan just in case? See, I think she's got a shrine to him <laughs> in, right. her, in her room somewhere. Mm-hmm. That's why they never made it to the bedroom. <laughs> Can't let him see it, yeah. I'm surprised that she didn't skin him. That's the only thing that surprised me about this. Yeah. 
So, yeah, that was a fun storyline, too. The the boys come to his rescue, kind of. Yeah, that I was mean, hilarious. They, they don't. They just, like, they look at him and make, and fun, of him make and... fun of him. That One of them, so Joey had an extra shirt. And well, he had a jacket. Yeah, no, he had he had a shirt and he had like a flannel over that shirt. And then Chandler, or not Chandler, uh, David Schwimmer, snap, snap, snap. Uh, Ross had uh-huh. a, had a jacket on, and they could have given him one. One of them could have given him the jacket. The other one could have given him the shirt. Yeah, he could have tied the shirt around his waist, put the jacket on. And had some dignity leaving there. Uh, <laughs> Instead, I mean, I at least that. a little bit. Instead, he had to take the door of the the stall off, and he carried that. I don't understand how they did that without tools. Wouldn't you need tools? I think that, well, apparently his tool was right there. <laughs> uh, I guess, I don't know, the Hulk walked in and ripped it off. Right. Him. I don't know exactly how that works. I mean, but. it seems like, in reality, it would be easier for them to go get him more clothes. Yeah, they could have just gone to his apartment. Yeah. <laughs> Although, is, are his wallet and keys in his pants? Oh, God. He's going to go back to his apartment. He's going to find Marcel's head in on the on the table and Julia Roberts sitting there. Oh, my God. <laughs> I also got a sample of the Motapa virus. Oh. So, yeah, those are pretty good uh, episodes of Friends. Yeah, not bad. And then... Thank God for them, because the movie he made me see was terrible. Come on. It was one of the worst things I've ever seen. Blackened sheep? Jack? No. <laughs> Who's Jack? Where do they, where do they get a load of me? <laughs> no, what? I'm Chris... the black sheep now. Chris Farley. <clears throat> Chris Farley and David Spade. We live in a world of black sheep. <laughs> yeah, Chris Farley and David Spade. That's Were the they best. in that other movie with David Spade that we saw that I didn't like? Was David Spade in that movie with David Spade? Probably. <laughs> no, Chris Farley. Was he in it with David well, who's Spade? The, who's they? Huh? You said, were they in that movie? So is Chris Farley, <laughs> do you think he has multiple personalities? <laughs> I don't what know. Movie? What movie? Tommy Boy? No. Oh. Then I don't know what you're talking about movie. There was another one besides Tommy Boy. Well, there was Airheads that Chris Farley was in a long time ago. David Spade wasn't in it, though. Okay. What movie? What movie are you talking I about? I don't know. I just know that I don't like Chris Farley movies. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't like Chris Farley, and I'm. Ugh, it makes me so upset. Because he's terrible. Come on. The movies he chooses to do are terrible. He's so... You were laughing. You laughed some in this movie. Yeah, every once in a while I I laughed because, like, I had to because I needed to relieve the tension from how terrible (laughs) this movie was. It was a very tense movie. Gary Busey provides a lot of tension to this movie. Oh, my God. Okay, so Chris Farley is the younger brother of a politician. Yeah, he's a, he's the younger brother of Otter from uh, Animal House. Yeah. Tim Matheson himself. And he's trying to help him with his campaign for governor. Mm-hmm. But he's a fucking moron. Like, I don't understand. Like, it seems like he would be challenged, handicapped, belong somewhere where he can be helped. Oh 
She wants to institutionalize him. I do. He's just awful. So he's driving a van. What was the point of this van that he's driving in the beginning of this movie? He's trying to get the word out about his brother. Everything he does is to try to help Tim Matheson win the governorship of the great state of Washington. But he can't do any of it. He's trying and failing at everything because he's a fucking moron. I will say this. I liked this movie a lot better the first time I saw it when it was called Tommy Boy. Right? And I hated Tommy Boy, too. It's essentially... I mean, it's not the same movie, but it's, it's very similar. He's he's an idiot, slapstick humor, David Spade's the straight man. It's like the... Oh, that is the movie. It's like... <laughs> my God. I love that you have such a definite opinion about Tommy. Like, I hated Tommy Boy. Oh, that's that movie. I just I just know what I feel when you, I hear you, the words, Tommy you, Boy. You mentally blocked it out. <laughs> <sighs> oh, that's like saying Uncle Rico's closet. <laughs> you, you, you can't remember exactly why you hate it, but, but you wow, wow, that's that's <laughs> that's a whole other level. Oh, <sighs> anyway, anyways. So- so he does stupid moronic stuff the whole mm, movie. Yeah, that's the movie. He's just fucking shit up. All the time. He shit up? What does that mean? I said he's fucking shit up. Oh. <laughs> I I heard that as he's just fucking shit up, though. <laughs> Not fucking shit up, but fucking shit up. Oh, my God. I took a sip. I took a sip and they made me laugh and I almost died. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the same. You know what it reminds me of a little bit? Obviously, this is much more slapstick than these movies. But it reminds me a little bit of the Hope and Crosby road movies. No clue what that is. Bing Crosby and Bob Hope did these different movies like Road to Morocco, Road to wherever. And they would they were like travel movies where they were they were two friends or whatever. And they they got in a mixed up adventure going someplace. So we're going into grandpa mode again. I got it. Oh my god. He's like 80. I don't know how, but he is. I've never seen any of these movies you're talking about. You've never even heard of any of the Road 2 movies. No. Oh my god. The only things I saw with Bing Crosby were like gentlemen prefer blondes and He's not in that. What are you talking about? <laughs> Was he in anything with Marilyn Monroe? No. Oh, then I don't know if I've ever seen anything with Bing Crosby. <laughs> Holy shit. Who did you think Bing Crosby was in that movie? One of the two Jane guys. Russell? No, there's Marilyn Monroe and Jane Russell, and there's two dudes that they're yeah. like with. They're the gentlemen. You're correct. <laughs> but I thought Bing Crosby was one of them. You thought Bing Crosby would reduce himself to being listed as a gentleman? I don't know. That's Charles Coburn and Tommy Newton. So I thought he was one of them. I guess you must have thought he was uh, uh, eyes. Like, Tommy Newton looks like a freak. I just, wow. I just want to. It's a little harsh. I mean, rest in peace, Tommy Newton. <laughs> yeah, because you're so old. Because you're a grandpa. <laughs> oh, my God. <sighs> but But. His eyes are not 
are not like one's way lower than the other one. Ooh. One looks like it's in a race to his lip, <laughs> ew, ew. and it's got a big head start. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Tommy Noonan's family. Wow, I'm sure you're listening. <sighs> okay. Anyway, so yeah, this movie. Carol hates this movie. She hates everything Chris Farley does. She does not appreciate physical comedy in any way. That's the problem. It's like it's like watching Abbott and Costello. Mm, more like more like the Three Stooges. Okay, fine. It's like watching the Three Stooges because Abbott and Costello were more about. There is a little physical comedy with Abbott and Costello. I'll give that to you. By the way, Grandma Abbott and Costello. You made an Abbott and Costello reference. You know, you know how much they predate Bing Crosby. <laughs> They were like vaudeville comedians. But here's the thing. I, I made the reference because I know in my brain that they do physical comedy, but not because I saw it or, you know, have any. You're not familiar with the who's on first routine? <sighs> only from you. Oh, come on. That's the only that's the only way you've heard that. Yep. And yes, Grandpa. That's the only way. Okay. So. You love it. David Spade. Yeah. decides that he wants to work on the campaign for the governor. What was he, the fucking limo driver? Like, I don't even understand how he this happened. He was next to the limo driver. Why? Why was he there? He was the backup limo driver. Because he wasn't even, like, he wants a position on the staff. He wasn't on the staff. No, 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 no. Oh, oh, yeah, you're right. So you're like, right. I really want to know why right. he was there. Where did he come from? He was not driving. He was just chilling up front with how, the limo driver. How did he get... How did he get in that limo that the gov- that the uh, a potential governor was riding in? Right. So they're talking about how because I uh, thought he was like a volunteer, like a low level staff member, and he wanted to get a better position in the staff. But no, he was just some dude. Yeah, yeah. That's hilarious. I never thought about that. Yeah, he just like pipes up because he's eavesdropping through the little divider. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That he wants this job. Hey, if I do this, will you uh, hire me as your staff? (laughs) (laughs) And he agrees. He wants a position on his staff. Yeah, he does. So that's how he ends up with Chris Farley. Mm -hmm. Because he's supposed to keep him in line. Yeah. But he also fails. Well, the first thing that he does is not pay attention to him as some people burn down the rec center that he works at. And tries to frame him for that. And when he's driving in town before he's even met the dude, he abandons his car in the middle of the road because he gets caught in a traffic jam after flipping somebody off. Yeah. Gary Busey. You never, never, never flip off a guy whose teeth look like they could take you in a fight. (laughs) Gary Busey's got to be the biggest horse-faced motherfucker I've ever seen in my life. But it was just, the whole thing's just fucked up. The last time I saw... Gary Busey on TV, he was pulling the Budweiser wagon. Oh. Because of the Clydesdales. Sure. Do you get it? I get it. Anyway. I get you. <laughs> do you? I do. You get my references? Yes, Grandpa, I do. <laughs> so, the, the part where they're in the cop car and the nitrous oxide spills in and yes. they start talking about roads. And limit and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Is that funny to you? That was a little funny. A little. Because it wasn't as physical. But. What about when. But. What about when. When. when 
Gary Busey says he's talking to the guy and he's he says I can't remember what David Spade says to him. He's like, I can go over to your or he goes he goes something like Gary Busey says something like I'll pull you out of the car and like shove your head so far up your ass or whatever. And he goes, Hey, you might uh, not want to start there. It leaves you very little places to go. Yeah. And he goes, I can go to your mom's house and start a fire in her panties. I thought that was so ridiculous. But you you laughed. I laughed because of how ridiculous it was. That's what I'm saying. The wordplay, the the jokes that are verbal jokes, I, I thought were pretty good. Yeah. I understand the physical comedy stuff is not your thing. And there's a lot of it in this movie. Probably even more than in Tommy Boy. And there's a lot of poop and pee jokes. And really? I don't like that. Oh, uh, yeah, a little bit. Well, yeah, because he, he talks about how he crapped his pants. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Spade tells them t- that they should shove the hose up his ass next time. And the next time we see him, he's got foam coming out of his pants. Right. And that was that was, that was admittedly a dumb joke. And then when he, he, he like, becomes incontinent of urine when he thinks he's going to be shot in the head. I mean... <laughs> See, you're laughing about it right now. because, I mean, but it wasn't even funny. Like, that just made it sad. So I liked this movie. I know you didn't like this movie. You liked this movie. The the plot is... Terrible. No, it's just, the plot's almost meaningless. The the setup is, he's a screw-up. His brother's running for governor. He's getting in the way. That's what the plot is. And he needs to be kept out of the way, and he keeps getting into shenanigans. It, the the plot is just to set up all the different gags that they want to do, um, but I, I did I like I liked a lot of this humor. You know what this? You know what this? Because I can laugh at dumb stuff. You're not as big of a fan as dumb humor, and I usually like a little bit more sophisticated humor. But every once in a while, if it's done well, I, I'll get into the dirt with dumb humor, like the Zucker Brothers movies. And this movie kind of reminds me of that, and it reminds me of something that Roger Ebert said one time when he was talking about the Zucker Brothers movies. And just so you know, and you all out there know, I'm sure you guys know, Carol's looking at me like I'm speaking gibberish, but they did like Airplane, they did Top Secret, The Naked Gun, those kind of movies. See, I didn't see any of those. Saw The Naked Gun 33 and a third. Only because you made me. Well, because we watched it for this show. And I didn't see Naked Gun. Yeah. Well, the Naked Gun's a, a better movie. But anyway, so Roger Ebert said, whenever I watch one of these movies, I laugh twice. At each, at each joke, I laugh twice. I laugh at the joke, and then I laugh at myself for laughing at something so stupid. <laughs> and that's what this movie reminded me of. Yeah, I can where that. I would laugh at something... And then I'd laugh at myself for finding something so dumb funny. And that's, I I think it's a good, stupid movie every once in a while is good. This is one of those movies that might be enhanced by, like, some uh, herbal recreation, right. you know. Some herbal essences shampoo? Yeah, sure. <laughs> like, your, like your showers are enhanced that way? <laughs> your fingers helping that too, right? Oh my god. No, because you're massaging the shampoo into your scalp. Wow. Right? Yeah, I don't. And then you burst out. Let me ask you a question. In those Herbal Essences commercials, how come, you know, the women, they're, they're, you know, orgasming with their scalp and everything. (laughs) Like they've got a G-spot in their scalp to this Herbal Essence stuff. But how come every time they're done with their shower and they get dressed and stuff, they 
burst out of whatever door they're in. Like that, that and every, the commercial, every time they're like, oh, they <laughs> shove through this door and their hair is all bouncy and, and wavy and, and lights and stuff like that. But they're always bursting out of there. I, I don't like, Are you okay, ma'am? Maybe, uh, maybe the intense, you know, G-spot head orgasm put some bounce in their step. I don't know. I, I You know, I really love the shampoo because it smells so good. It's a good shampoo. But the commercials make me really uncomfortable. Really? <laughs> well, you're just sitting there, like, in the middle of, like, watching, like, all my children in the middle of the day, right? <laughs> and you're watching it with your mom. And then all of a sudden you're hearing some girl... <gasps> and it's like the shampoo you use. And you don't want to think about any of that when you're watching TV with your parents. All right, that's true. So, yeah, they they should save those commercials for prime late, time. Late yeah. <laughs> uh, now back to David Letterman. But, I mean, okay, yeah, there was a few decent things, I guess. But mostly, nah. It's just not my bag. Nah. Not my cup of tea. Not my thing. I can understand that. I would recommend it. If you liked Tommy Boy, you'll like this movie. And if you hated Tommy Boy like I did. You'll probably hate this movie. Yes. That's yeah, that's a good that's a good barometer. So you, you probably know if you want to see this or not. I wonder if there are any people in the middle. <clears throat> I feel like no. I can't imagine that there would be people that liked Tommy Boy that didn't like this movie or vice versa. Well, I just mean somebody who would be indifferent. Like, it seems like you'd have to have a stronger reaction one way or another. Huh. Maybe. You might be right. Yeah, it might be be one of those divisive movies. Ooh. I mean, I know my reaction was strong. Strongly negative. (laughs) Yes. Well, mine wasn't strongly positive. I wasn't like, oh, this is the funniest movie I've seen in my life. You were so smiling and laughing and stuff, though. Like, it's you a, were happy. It's a funny movie. Yeah, I was happy. Maybe that's what made you so miserable. <laughs> I was happy for one second of my fucking life. <laughs> yeah. And you know it's my mission to make sure that never happens. <laughs> oh. Well, that is our episode. For the week, Carol. Yeah. Do your thing. My thing. Yeah, soap up with some herbal essence. <laughs> Give the fans what they want at the end here. Write us and tell us how much you hate us at latefee1994 at AWOL.com. Mm-hmm. Check out our website at www.retrolatefee.com. Mm-hmm. Sometimes and you put all three W's in there, sometimes you don't. Really? Yes. Weird. Sometimes you're like WW. I guess it depends on how much of a hurry I'm in to get ret- done. World War Lightfee.com. <laughs> um, yeah, tell people. Tell a friend about the show. And uh, go to patreon.com slash retrolatefee. Check it all out. Yeah, check out the bonuses we've got up there. We do. We do have bonuses. Mm -hmm. Okay. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.